Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. All right, let's open our Bibles, if we would, to Luke chapter 1. We are in our Christmas series, a Christmas season series, and uh, the title of our message today is Christmas Without Compromise. What in the world could that mean? Well, we'll get into it in just a moment. You know, our words that we preach for God are practical words. They are livable words. God is not expecting us to, to take something just metaphorically or to, to uh, imagine that uh, you know, we're headed towards uh, sitting on a cloud playing a harp for eternity. God is a very practical God's, uh, God, and, and, and what He gives us from His Word is a very practical Word. He expects us to live His instructions, and He tells us how to do it. And one of the things that God is hoping is that we would embrace Christmas without compromise. Uh, following along today with our Christmas series, uh, we're going to follow up on some of the things that we have talked about in the past few weeks. One of the things we talked about, you may remember, is that God demands we participate in our miracles. That's, uh, that's just necessary. God demands if we are looking for a miracle, there's going to be something you're going to do. You know, you can sit beside your garden in your field all year long praying all you want to. But if you don't get up and plant a seed, if you don't do something about the situation, most likely you're going to be praying over an empty harvest that year because it requires we participate in our miracle. I encourage you, give God time and give him something to work with. Do something. Nothing changes till something changes. Something else that we found out during our Christmas season is a decision can make you happy and still leave you lonely. Even a good decision, a best decision, a necessary decision, it can make you happy. It can be a best decision, and it can still leave you lonely. Just like with Mary. Mary said, as, uh, as we heard earlier, be it unto me according to your will. But then Gabriel left. She was alone. You know, sometimes we are called upon to make decisions which can leave us in a place where we're needing a little more encouragement. That's what brought us to our next lesson. Our next lesson, uh, the, the culmination of that was we all need counseling. Y'all remember? We took all these from the Christmas story. We all need counseling. That's why Mary went down. One of the reasons she went down into, uh, you know, in, in, into Judea to see Elizabeth is to confirm, to congratulate, but she also needed some encouragement. Sometimes we need to talk to somebody who's gone through something we've gone through. Because here Elizabeth had also, you know, uh, uh, become miraculously pregnant in her old age, although not by the same means as Mary. But Zacharias had had a visitation from the same angel six months earlier. And Mary, I mean, you can make a good decision and you can find yourself lonely, but then encouragement goes a long way. We need courage 
for the decisions we have made. And, and, and for that, many times we need to talk to people, surround ourselves by people who can encourage us because they know what we're going through. You know, there's a certain camaraderie that we embrace whenever we talk to someone who is in a similar situation to us. We all need counseling. Then we also talked about uh, this past Wednesday evening uh, about this angelic visitation where, where Zacharias was standing right beside the altar of incense in the temple. And as he was standing beside that altar, an angel, Gabriel, appeared to him. And when Gabriel appeared, the Bible says that it really surprised, it shocked, it startled, it made Zacharias afraid. Now, he didn't have a spirit of fear. He had a moment of surprise. He was startled. And many times we get startled. Many times the surprises that we embrace, moments, even God moments, can surprise us and make us feel afraid. Make us concerned for our future. Make us wonder what's going on. I mean, uh, here Zacharias was startled. And the angel, the first word the angel said was, do not be afraid. <laughs> Why did he need Zacharias to not be afraid? Because he had something to tell him. And you cannot hear what anyone says when you're screaming. You cannot hear what God says when you're screaming on the inside. Being surprised is a part of life. But we found Wednesday night that the Christmas story also encourages us that our job is to stop, stop worrying and to start listening. Because if it's a God moment, if it's just a, a best decision that may leave you lonely for a moment, if it's just... I guarantee you Mary's not lonely anymore. But if it's going to leave you in a temporary situation, it startles you and, and, and there's something happening. Listen, you do not have to treat. You do not have to treat it like it's over. Refuse to treat a bad situation like it's over. Refuse to believe it's over. You know, you may need counseling. You may need encouragement. You may need help. You may feel lonely. You may have to do some things. You may have to participate. But our main job, every time worry jumps up, because Mary had to go back in three months, and she had to go back to a man that she was engaged to that was going to find out she was pregnant. You don't think she, you know, there's a difference in a moment-moving faith and then mountain-moving faith. I need a new injection of faith almost every day, you know, for the things that I'm believing God for, for the things that are difficult, for the things that are not yet settled, for the things I want to see done different. We need new injections of faith. And our job is to stop worrying and to start listening because if it is a God moment, when we begin to listen, God will begin to comfort. He will begin to encourage. He will send other messengers. If we will let him, he will heal our hearts. He'll heal our minds. He'll bring us to a place where we have a greater understanding, where we can, we can finally take a breath and we can stop screaming 
and start listening. So those are the things we've covered so far. I encourage you, if you haven't you know, um, gotten a chance to look into the archives, you can go to our website. You can go to churchonline.tv. You can find these, and you can catch up on our Christmas message for this year. Today, we're going to add one more principle to our Christmas series. And we're going to be picking up where we left off in the book of Luke, chapter 1, the gospel of Luke. And um, this, is, this um, account is the prophecy that Zacharias spoke upon the birth of his son, John the Baptist. So when John was born, you can read if you like, make sure you get the full context. But uh, we're going to pick up in verse 67, where Zacharias, the father of, 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 of John the Baptist here, is going to prophesy at the birth of his son. Luke 1, reading from the New King James Version. Um, Verse 67. Now, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's one of the other things we talked about, how important it is. You know, we talked last week that, that everyone in this particular uh, 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 passage, you know, they were touched by God in such a way that something inspirational rose up on the inside of him. It happened to Zacharias. Zacharias, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Now, Zacharias is speaking as though it had already happened. Think about it. He has visited and redeemed his people. Uh, Well, you know, Jesus is the one that was going to redeem, not John the Baptist. Zacharias was aware of that. Zacharias knew that, that John was not the Messiah. He knew that John was a forerunner of the Messiah. He had already met the Messiah's mother, his relative, when she came down to see him. And his own wife was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. He knows here that Jesus, the Messiah, is not yet born, but he is speaking as though it already happened. One more reason to realize that life begins at conception. Of course it does. That's why we celebrate Christmas on December the 25th. Yeah, that's not the day Jesus was born. It is the time and the season of year that he was conceived. We know when he was born. No children in here, are there? <laughs> you know, you know in, in the fall of the year, at 33 and a half years old, he died in the spring of the year. Okay? Fall born, spring crucified, December conceived. Jesus even attended the Festival of Lights. He even, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is a forever settled subject. For, for Zacharias, speaking by the Holy Ghost, 
This had already been done. It was already accomplished. And, 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 and indeed, it was in his mind. It was in the will of God already, even before the foundation of the world. You see, God sees the end from the beginning. And Zacharias is prophesying. Look what he says in verse six, uh, beginning of 68 again. We'll cover that. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us you see God had given a promise to Adam and Eve that he would save them from their enemies that, that, that a seed of woman would bruise the, the, the head of the serpent. Their enemy would be bruised and be dealt with. And, and God spoke specific promise to, uh, promises to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, to the patriarchs, uh, through David, through the Psalms and all the psalmists. And God spoke through the prophets. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver you from your enemies. And the Jews believed this. And Zacharias believed the word of God and so here by Zacharias uh, this is the time it had been 4,000 years since God had promised this to Adam and Eve and here Zacharias is merely repeating what he believes he's repeating what he has heard in his spirit he's repeating what he has read uh, you know uh, from from uh, you know the Old Testament prophets and and the Psalms he knows what God has done in God's own will in God's own mind God has already redeemed God has already delivered you know, uh, it was truly an exciting time because prophecy was being fulfilled and unfolding right in front of their eyes in their lifetime, just like it is for us today. What an exciting time. Again, verse 71, let's pick up on this again. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. You know, Zechariah saying, we need to remember these things. This is what God is going to do. This is what God has been saying. This is what God has been promising. You know, God, uh, look, look what he says uh, to verse 74, to grant us that we... Being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve the Lord, might serve him without fear in holiness, in righteousness before him all the days of our life. You see, the Jews had a justified expectation that Messiah was coming to deliver them from the hand of all of their enemies so that they might serve the Lord. This is the reason God was going to deliver them. This is the reason God was going to, to save them from their enemies so that they might serve the Lord without fear and without compromise. In holiness and righteousness, there's no compromise before the Lord. Okay. I, I'm going to save you, God said. I'm going to save you so you can worship me, so you can praise me, so you can serve me 
without fear, without being afraid, and without compromise. Well, there was something very powerful in Zechariah's prophecy. And there's something very powerful in all prophecy, actually. And that's going to be one of the main themes of our message today. The principle that we're going to add deals with the power of prophecy. It deals with the power of, of, of foretelling the will of God with conviction, with confidence, without allowing fear to shut us down, without compromising what we know that we have heard, not only from, from, from the Holy Spirit in that sense, as you might imagine prophecy would be, but also from the Word of God, just like Zacharias was repeating what he had heard here inspired by God to speak what God had been speaking for generations. You see, prophecy models the faith we have in God. Prophecy is a foretelling of God's will. Prophecy models the faith we have in God. This morning in the first service, Pastor Marcus so, uh, so wonderfully put, uh, uh, you know, gave us the shield of faith, what the shield of faith was, and put that into our armor this morning so that we understand that you might put on a lot of things, but you take up the shield of faith. You actually take that shield up, and it's there to protect you and protect others. You know, that, that, that shield of faith that keeps those those darts of the enemy from breaking through to you, from making you afraid and, and, and getting you to the place to where you have no confidence. Prophecy models the faith we have. It models the faith we have in God to our children. It models the faith we have in God to our families, to others who hear us. You see, John the Baptist grew up to be a prophet himself. Isn't that interesting? And he believed and he said the very same things that he knew his father believed and he heard his father say. That's what happens as we model our faith. Let's not shrink back from opening our mouths and speaking the conviction and the confidence of our heart without being afraid. It impacts others around us. Even though at times it seems like it's a slow impact, at times it seems as though that we are taking small steps, yet we are participating in our miracle, yet we understand that the modeling of our faith in front of others changes lives. I can remember I was in the military. I was living in, in, in Germany at the time. I was a bodyguard for U.S. and foreign dignitaries. And, and, and uh, uh, we lived in a, in a house, Brenda and I did. Uh, we shared a backyard with 96 families. And we lived on the third floor of this huge apartment complex. And uh, every day I would come down and, 
and walk past people sitting there. And in the evening, I would come back uh, and they would be, you know, all congregating out there. And there was one man, his name, by the way, and I haven't seen him since like, you know, in the 70s. Uh, but I remember his name. His name was Terry Weiss. Terry, if you're listening, God bless you. Okay, Terry, uh, I, 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 would, I, would, I would walk out of the building and I, would, I, was, I was new in Christ and I was excited about Jesus and, and I, I, I was witnessing to people and I would you know, say something nice about Jesus. I would have a little nice witness and, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, he didn't appreciate it. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, forgive me, Terry. Uh, 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 you know, boy, in today's internet, you can look up anybody, can't you? I think it's W-I-E-S-S, by the way, if you're wanting to know. And, uh, uh, and, and so I would, you know, uh, just witness to him and try to live a witness. And, uh, you know, he was relentless in, 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 you know, knocking me back down, knocking me back down. And I didn't imagine I was making any difference in his life, you know. I didn't imagine it was, it was uh, impacting or affecting. And, in fact, you know, I, I left that job and left there and went to, uh, you know, New Mexico and, uh, lived there for a while and, and did some things there and then, and then, you know, moved back to Texas and, you know, and became a pastor. Can you imagine? You know, and um, gosh, uh, must have been 15 years later, 10, 15 years. I don't know, Terry, maybe you remember. Somewhere I think I have this. I got a letter from Terry Wise. And it said, listen, I owe you an apology. You know, my words, not his. I made your life hell. <laughs> you know, you witnessed to me, you witnessed to me, and I did everything I could just to keep you from doing, you know, just, you know, I was, I, I was mean. I was, you know, da, 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 da. He said, and I didn't like you. In fact, uh, uh, again, my words, you know, uh, uh, bordered on him carrying me around all the time in his mind, you know, uh, still, still arguing with me. He said, but he was running from God. He said, God would not let him get away from my kind witness. For that just, a, just a brief period of time, maybe, maybe a year. You know? And he wrote me, he said, I've been born again. I've been saved, and I've changed my life. You know, I, I didn't know. I mean, who would know? Who would realize that just the continued little witnessing here and there, even though it looks like it's not being received, even though it looks like it's, it's, it's being struggled against, even though it looks like you're not making any difference, guess what? You are. You know if you have a crack, even the smallest crack in your driveway, somehow a seed of grass is going to find its way in that crack. It's the strangest thing ever, and you can't kill it. No matter what you do, it's going to come back, and that's just grass. The flower thereof fades away and the grass withers and, 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 and yet the seed of the Word of God will last forever. When you put a, a seed out there, whenever you speak the Word of God, the living witness of God, when you speak the Word of God, it is prophecy. It's saying what God said. Just like John the Baptist grew up 
to say what his daddy said. Jesus grew up to say what his mama said. His mama said, be it unto me according to your will. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Same thing. We impact others when we model our faith, when we speak our faith, when we aren't afraid to go ahead and say what we believe confidently and without compromise, not going to have to water it down or cut it back. Don't be mean. Don't be nasty. Be nice. You can afford to be nice. You're right. Okay? Uh, You know... Let me cut to the chase. The Christmas message is filled with prophecy. Mary prophesied. She just, she just spoke what she believed. Elizabeth prophesied. She just spoke what she believed. Zacharias prophesied. Simeon prophesied. You remember the old guy that he went to, you know, Anna. Remember the prophets prophesied. John the Baptist prophesied. I mean, the whole Christmas message. When people were touched by God, they spoke. The greatest thing about these people is that they all believed what they said. They weren't looking at it. They believed it would happen. They believed that what God said would really happen. They believed that God had an interest and that God was involved and that God would hear their prayer and that God would move on their behalf. That's why they spoke. And as I said, when we speak the Word of God, it is prophecy. Prophecy is the foretelling of God's will. You know His will. You know His way. You know His Word. The Christmas message encourages us to model our faith. And prophecy models our faith. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says that we should all desire to prophesy. Let's not forget that. 1 Corinthians 14 is filled with things like that. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 uh, uh, tells us to, to, uh, to make sure we limit our prophecy to good news. Edification, exhortation, comfort. Okay? We're not going around, you know, I, I'm not talking about being a prophet and pointing your finger and condemning people to hell because they don't do what you want. That's, 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 not, that's not this. There's a message on the inside of you. If you stop screaming and start listening, God will begin to give you good news. God will begin to give you reasons why you can be built up, edified, uh, exhorted, encouraged, and comforted. God wants you. To hear his word, and then God wants you to speak his word. 1 Corinthians 14, 31 tells us that we may all prophesy that all may be comforted. There's a reason why God wants us to speak his word with confidence and without fear, with boldness. Even in the day when it looks dark, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. It's not lying when you believe it, but you just don't see it yet. Prophecy follows the word, the way, the will of God. And prophecy will encourage others around you like nothing else. Speaking the word of God over people's lives. Saying what God said. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says that we should earnestly covet to prophesy. 
Acts, the second chapter, verse 18, says that God pours His Spirit out upon all flesh, men servants, maid servants, uh, uh, everyone, and they shall prophesy. Now what, what we might be missing, what we might be missing is the realization that we've been touched by God. You know, this world is tough. And we see a lot of things in this world that are tough. We experience trauma, tragedy. Jesus said we would. Tribulation, trouble. And because of our experiences, many times it throws like a damp cloth over our spirit. And... If we aren't watchful, our enemy, the devil, will make us feel like we don't have what it takes. That somehow, you know, there's a reason to be afraid here. There's a reason to, to I, mean, you know, I mean, do I really have confidence? Yes. Deborah Tarver, are you free from cancer now? Yeah, completely gone. Praise God. Yeah, glory to God. Hallelujah. That's why we pray. That's why we make our confession. That's why we appeal to God. That's why we cry out. And that's why we stand up and boldly lift up our shield of faith. And say, the Lord will deliver me from my enemies. The Lord has redeemed me. You know, the Lord is good. He loves me. He cares about me. He has a plan for my life. Look what the Apostle Paul said. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 13. And since we have the same Spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. We believe and we speak. You've been touched by God. Providing you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. If you have not yet invited Jesus into your heart if if you have not been born again then that's why you're here that's why you're listening right now and this is not a suggestion this is a command Acts 17 30 God has commanded all men everywhere to repent repent turn around turn your life over to him invite Jesus in just simply right now, whether you're here on campus or online, just simply open up your heart. Stop resisting the Holy Spirit. God's dealing with you. Just say, come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I turned my life to you. Here. Here is my life. Save my soul. Jesus, Jesus, be my Savior. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for giving your life to me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Teach me how to live. 
Teach me what to think and how to feel. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Touch my life every day. Help me to be an asset to you. To be a good friend, a good father, a good mother. To be a a good spouse. Lord, help me. Help me. I want to do it your way. Jesus, would you dare right now, even in your mind or out loud, loud enough for you to hear it in your mind, would you just dare to close your eyes for just a moment, bow your head in a, in a posture of reverence to God and prophesy, what is it that God is going to do? Speak the word. You know, believe the word. Believe the word. Read the word. Believe the word. Speak the word. Just go ahead right now and do that. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. For me and my house, Lord, we will model your faith without fear and without compromise, Lord. God, fill my mouth with your word and your will. I believe the good news, God. And I will use my faith-filled words to build others up, to encourage them, and to comfort them in the name of Jesus. This is the Christmas message. Amen. May God bless you. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.